I feel like John the Apostle this morning, you know. He writes the, he pens the book of John, he writes it as the Spirit speaks it to him. And he never refers to himself as John, he refers to himself as the one that Jesus loved. And I don't know about you, but I'm like God's favorite. And you are too. When we sing these songs to God, you just got to fall in love with Jesus. You know, it's just going to, we come in here with all these strings attached, you know. I think what you need to concentrate on is just falling in love with Jesus. It shouldn't be that hard, everybody. It's not like he's ever ripped you off. Yeah, he asks you to do hard stuff, but he loves you and he's good. Such a perfect father. I'll lay down any treasure just to be with you. How's 21 days of prayer and fasting going, by the way? You doing okay? You holding up? Laden? You being strong? I gave up coffee and Pray for pastor, everybody. I want to lay hands on people. Fast, hard, and repeatedly. It's good when we lay down things. I'll lay down any treasure. I'll lay down any pleasure. I'll lay down anything just to be with you, the source of all of these things. And uh, somebody came in here dragging some um, bitterness with them today, and you need a little bit of healing. I'm going to show you. I think in the sermon today, God is just going to do it for you. Even if it feels like what you're carrying in and what you're dealing with has nothing to do with the sermon, it's all connected. I just want to encourage you. If you need to get prayer prayed for afterwards, go get prayed for. There's no point in walking out with chains that you came in with, you know. Sometimes you just got to go and ask for help. You know, we treat God like this. He already knows what I need. Why doesn't he just give it to me? Because you were too proud to ask. Jesus says, ask and the door will be open. You know, ask, knock and the door will That means I like, keep knocking until you get it. Like keep coming back to the source so that you remember that it's not you. And you remember that nobody owes it to you and God doesn't owe it to you. He just gives it to you because he loves you. You just got to keep at it sometimes. I had something else traumatic happen to me this week, Sean. I know that you're, he's my accountability partner. So he got a bunch of texts about this. My soul was in deep need because I lost my karmix. Chapstick is a huge deal. I'm addicted to that as well. And the Lord didn't ask me to give it up this fasting period. You know how I lost it? And I use Carmex. I know it sounds really stupid, but it's a big deal to me. So remember like Napoleon Dynamite? He's <laughs> like, my lips are real, my lips are real dry. We'll just call a school nurse. The gross. If you don't get Napoleon Dynamite, you don't appreciate the high school that I went to. Come on, say amen, venue church. My kids don't get it. And I'm like, that's how bad it was. Was that was my high school right there. That's how we dress. That's how we talk. Tater tots. I mean, come on, everybody. I lost my Carmex, and, and I'm addicted to Carmex because I'm addicted to having moist lips for kissing. She's in there. She make eye contact. <laughs> well, there's so many. I want to say so much right now, but I'm not going to because the Holy Spirit told me not to. <laughs> Just conventional wisdom of not wanting to sleep on the couch. So I lost it because I had a hole in my pocket. Now I knew that the hole, I, I knew I had a hole in my pocket. Come on, this sermon's gonna preach. I knew I had a hole in my pocket. I didn't think it was big enough to get a Carmex through it, but it went and I lost it. And then I had to go to the school nurse and get more and it was gross. <laughs> Today's sermon, everybody, from our series, The Tribe is called Competition. 
Competition against the enemy is great. It's what you were built for. It's what you were born for. It's competition against the enemy of the souls of men so that we can come in and save the city and bring the city into Christ and into the family of God. Competition in this house and competition in-house and against your own teammates is like a hole in your pocket. It makes you really stupid and then you look all day for your Carmex and you don't get it, everybody. Come on. There's something you're missing in your life if you bring that competitive spirit from the world in here. Because, yeah, we're competitive in that, like, I'm going to push you to do your best, but I'm going to push you so the team wins. And if you win and I don't get something, I mean, somebody somebody came and talked to me because they're so faithful in God's house and they helped us build this church and God blessed them with like a unexpected $4,000 gift. And there's something inside of me. Back in the day, I'd be like, why didn't I get that gift? But God has changed me to understand that when my teammate wins, then I win. And, and this sermon is like the most ironic sermon that somebody with my personality type could ever preach about competition because I am way too competitive about things. Like if I invite you to my small group, I will always say it's the best small group. But I've learned over the time, and, and it's good because I just want you in a small group. But when somebody from my small group, you know, Dustin goes and starts his own small group and betrays me and whatever, you know. I'm secretly pleased because I know that the kingdom of God wins. And when the kingdom of God wins, that's the same to me as scoring a goal and winning the victory. Um, Ephesians chapter 6 says this, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Well, that's 99% of the conflict in your week. I'm just going to give you 99% of your mental space back. You're welcome. It's not against flesh and blood. Why does it seem that way? I'll tell you why. But against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. None of those things said it's the other dance mom. Dance moms, I mean, if there's evil in the world. Or hockey moms, I can go after anybody right now. It's not hockey moms. It's not your husband. It's not where you're struggling and spending all of your energy in the conflict. That's not where the fight is. The fight is against the spiritual world. Everything that you're dealing with in your life right now that's not working has a root in the spiritual world. And we do a lot of like band-aiding and a lot of therapy and a lot of things. And I'm not saying you shouldn't, like some of y'all need therapy. But if you try to do that and you don't deal with the heart of the issue, which is most often a spiritual issue, when you get envy out of your life and you get a spirit of in-house competition out, God plugs that gap and then he starts to be able to fill up. You know, he pours his peace into your life. He's committed to as a father, but it doesn't stick around for very long if you got holes in your pockets. In-house competition. Thanks, John. We have a small group starting up this week. We have so many great small groups and they're all super packed and and uh, you need to be in a small group. That's where we do life together. You won't get free or stay free if you're not. And uh, we have small groups. We're working out ways so that we can get, if you, if you have little kids, that we can, you know, take care of them for you and really uh, help you. You got to come and get them and take them home though, but we're not stupid. Please sign your kids out when you go. We don't want them. Um, but there's this, you need to be in a small group. We have, we have small groups for like millennial-ish, that age of people. Uh, we have Freedom Group. That's kind of our keynote one. Uh, it's happening on Tuesdays. Pastor Aaron is doing that with my accountability bu uh, buddy, Sean. If you want to hear about all my sins and dark stuff, go there. <laughs> and God will be like, oh, no, that's not about pastor sins. This is about you. Um, Freedom Group is 
if, if you haven't gone through that as a Christ follower, you need to go through it. Some people go through it a couple of times or a whole bunch of times. Just because, I think that every person needs to go through it because you need to, you can't walk into tomorrow if you're still dragging the baggage from yesterday. And God needs to settle your yesterday. You need to go through it with Jesus this time. And the power of the Holy Spirit needs to bring you out so that you're not constantly one foot in Egypt and one foot in the promised land. It'll tear you apart. We need you to deal with some of these things. That's happening Tuesday nights. Uh, ladies, there's a ladies group Wednesday mornings. That's awesome that they won't let guys into, which is chauvinism. There it is. I said it. And there's a young and free. <laughs> Can you imagine me in that group? Now, we are steering clear, man. We have the spirit of the Lord upon us who has told us to let the ladies have their time with each other. Uh, there's a young and free group that I'm doing with the law cards. Uh, and so that's like a college and career age. So get your college and career people out there. Um, it's not like just for that group. If you want to come, some of my buddies are coming to that too. Um, there's uh, also my mom and dad are doing one. Uh, you want like the spiritual, like grandparents of the house to teach you some stuff and to teach you what they taught me. Um, then you need to go to that one. Thursdays we have youth. Now we have junior youth grades five and six, right? Five and six. We're going to do like once a month worship. Like, I mean, can you imagine doing youth here, man? When I was a, like, we did youth in the church basement and it was scary down there. It was spiders and somebody had a guitar that they couldn't play, man. High school kids want to come to that. Junior high kids want to come to that. So invite them. And then uh, of course the Petka's group on, on Thursdays as well. These are huge small groups by the way, but uh, everything we do is in a group. Uh, we also have small group leaders training today because I want our people to be the best that they can to care for you. And so we go through this and we train them again and we train them again and we bring up different things just so we get the care to you that you need. All right, you ready for the sermon? If the enemy can get you to compete against your own team, you'll stop fighting the real fight. This is how the Lord showed it to me. This wasn't in my notes, but he showed it to me like this. God holds up a mirror to you. The enemy turns it into a window. Now I'm just going to, I'll be nice. If, if the enemy can get you to compete against your, against your own team, you'll stop fighting the real fight. You were made to fight. Even the most passive loving, you were still made to contend. You were built for war. This world is a war to translate the kingdom of earth and the kingdom of the enemy back into and adopt them into the family of God. You were made for war. So the enemy knows this. And so what he does is he tries to get you to compete against your own teammates, which you naturally kind of want to do. But see... The world out there is competitive. Um, can, I, can, I, can I show you how weird it gets when it comes into the house and into your tribe and into the family of God and into your home and into your friend group? There are some things as we built this church that we had to like play this like political game in the city because it's not easy to build a building here. Like it's tricky. I built buildings all over the place, but this place was interesting. There's like this bureaucracy that we had to figure out and get through. Okay, but when we come in here, that's got to like stay out there. Because we had to like, okay, we're going to do a vestibule. We're not going to do a vestibule. And here's how we, we need a letter from this person. And when we come in here, this kingdom of God is not supposed to look like everything that you have to do out there to survive. It's different. There's this holy family thing about this. Um, I wasn't a basketball player. Can I, this is like a kind of a sports sermon, I feel like. I wasn't really a basketball player, but we were playing pickup basketball. My brother was more of a sports guy. And, um. We were playing with, so my little brother now, which is humiliating because he was better than I was. So much I want to say about my little brother right now. <laughs> Competitive. 
You know what he said? We went to, we were at the hospital when my nephew Liam was born and he walks down the hall. I already had Arwen and Ailish, like beautiful daughters. And he walks down the hall and he's like, hey, you want to see a good looking kid? And I'm just like. <laughs> he started it, mom. I said it. There it is. I said it. Every time I take the shot, his younger friend, who's actually um, the principal of Birch Church High School right now, his name is Ryan Reed. He actually went on to become very good at basketball. So he's like four years younger than I am. And every time I go to take a shot, this kid to come by and just shot block. Even when I try to dunk it, he'd get up there. Do you seriously think that I can dunk his basketball? <laughs> that should have like got a way more laughter there. You don't want to hurt my feelings. I appreciate that. Every time that I take a shot, he'd block it. And finally, my brother says to me, because my brother, he could step back from the game and see it, right? Every time he finally comes over to me, and he's like, Corey, he jumps before you shoot. You're telegraphing. You're that obvious. He goes, pump fake. So the next time I get the ball in the open, pump fake. Ryan Reed goes flying by. The principal of Birch Church High School. I lined up that shot. Of course, I missed it. Like, I could have saved him the jump. It's not like I'm going to hit the shot anyways, right? Put me under the basket. I'm not hitting the shot. Wouldn't it have been weird if my brother would have just kept watching me get my shot blocked so that he looked better? If he'd have just let me kind of keep doing what I was doing, even if we lost, so that he could get more baskets and feel better about himself. But we're kind of like that, aren't we? With this idea that our self-esteem comes from our position and the height that we climb. There's way too much of a climbing spirit, I think. You got to understand, like, the Lord needs to do a work and change in your heart so that you quit competing. You know, you want to compete against your spouse if you're married or against your best friend. You want to compete against them in things as if there's only so much to go around. Don't you think that God wants all his kids to win? We win as a team if you play well in the sandbox and you just do your job. We don't win if you take every shot, you know. Um, I'll explain this to you. I, I, I grew up in the trades world, which is just highly competitive. You know, there was this thing when I was coming up and, and apprenticing in the electrical field that it was called, we called it job security. They never tell you, come on, tradespeople, they never tell you anything that got you further ahead because then you might become more valuable than them. So the very people that are supposed to be training you are like, oh, they just throw you to the wolves all the time, like figure it out. I called back to the shop one time. I'm like, I'm looking in a great big CDP with like 50 relays and everything's interconnected. And I call back. I'm like, I don't know what to do. You know what the guy says to me? Well, if you can't figure it out, I don't need you. Well, you think I'm good at figuring stuff out. Stupid. Get my meter out and start checking things out. Well, there's the point of like, hey, yeah, no, you got to figure this out. But there's the other point of like, why don't you just tell me where to start or explain it to me? Because every time that you got to troubleshoot something, it takes like 10 times longer than if you've done it already one time. Now, why didn't somebody show me how to run a job site? I had to figure out all those things the hard way. Like when you're dealing with this kind of a person, this is how you handle them and this is what you get them to do. Well, that could have saved me a year or two. You know what I realized? And, and how in-house competitive it was. So I'd go, you know, somebody would take a job over from me and then they'd take the job over from me because I had to go and start the next one. And then they'd sit there and badmouth me to the customer. And I'm thinking, who's giving you the next project? 
if you're the customer. You know, it's just like weird in-house thing where you're climbing this ladder to nowhere at the expense of other people. That's what insecure people do. Rather than secure people who just keep growing so that they stay valuable. Has God, are you a son or daughter of God or are you not? I mean, maybe you're not. Maybe today's the day that you give your life to Christ and we'll welcome you into the family. Yeah. You're a son or daughter of God. You're, you have the resources of heaven at play. You have the wisdom of the spirit whispering in your ear. Unless you're competing against your own team. Why? He can't talk to you when you're doing that. He can't apply Carmax to your lips. <laughs> when you got a hole in your pocket called this in-house competition. Now here's, here's a warning. If you are like this at all, like, I get what I used to have to do to survive. But when I bring that into the house of God, this is not supposed to be like that. And if you're like this, you think everybody's like this. And you have to just take it to the Holy Spirit and be like, I am a suspicious. Come on. As if God doesn't want you to win and your brother to win. When the team wins. Um, so it's like a, I was thinking about it. It's like a soccer team, which is like a real man's sport. You ever see a soccer fight? It's mostly slapping and stuff. Come on, boys. Man, it hurts if you get slapped. It hurts if you get fake slapped and fall to the ground and hold your face. It hurts. Um, God is like the owner of the team, and the Holy Spirit is kind of like the manager or the coach. You know, In soccer, it's the manager. There's no separate separation there. The manager hires the players that they want, and they coaches them. And then the whole, the Jesus is like the star player. But you know what I do when I'm being like competitive in-house? I like wrestle with you for the ball. And Jesus is like, pass me the rock. Now I'm into basketball apparently. And I'm wrestling with you to see who gets to take the shot that we don't hit. And Jesus is like, okay, let's go to football. Just block so that I can hand it to somebody else so that we can get a touchdown. Like, no, I want to. I want to get the touchdown. Well, there's something wrong. There's this insecurity at play inside. There's this pride inside of us. It's like, no, no. When you win, I win. When the team wins, my family wins. When you win in my family, then I win. You know, there's this, we got to get out of this. My, um, my dad's a baseball team when he was a kid. He used to play a lot of ball. We got any ball players? I love baseball. I haven't played in a long time, but I used to play a lot of ball. And he said when he was a kid, this, uh, this coach, he said, and this is like Old Testament. <laughs> See, Canadians, actually, we don't understand uh, sports. Like, you go down to the States, like, we might understand, like, hockey, but they have, like, 50 sports. And if you don't want on the team and you don't want to do the push-ups, there's 50 people who will take that position for you. Like, it is highly competitive there. Um, my dad had a competitive coach one time who was actually trying to win. And not just get participation badges. There's so much I want to say to millennials right now. Hey, you showed up. Great. Here's a... Everybody gets first place. <laughs> I love competition. I love winning. And I hate losing. But if I win, that means you lose, Shannon. And I kind of like that too. I'll tell you though, God had to change my personal winning mentality to a team winning mentality. And this is an ironic sermon for somebody like me to preach. So... Don't think that I don't know what you're thinking. But God's like, I need you to preach this. And I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> this kid, he's supposed to lay a sacrifice bunt down in baseball to advance the runner. 
He steps up and he swings and he hits a triple. So he knocks the run in and he's on third base. And the coach calmly walks over in front of him in front of the entire bench of kids watching him. And he says, if you ever hit a triple, when I tell you to sacrifice play, you'll sit on that bench. Because what you think you know about this is not going to win this tournament. It's not going to win. You think that you know how the game is played. Do you really know how, think you know? Have you ever put two legs in one pant leg? <laughs> Come on. Have you ever like worn a shirt inside out all day? And we take this arrogance into the kingdom of God and we're just like, I have it all together. I know all these. I'm just glad you made it here with pants on. Here's the trick. You got to run the place that the Holy Spirit calls. And when he says block for that person, then you block for that person. Now you're going to get tackled sometimes in the house of God. Because people are people and they're full of sin and maybe you haven't figured it out, but you hurt people too. And if you won't block for somebody while well, God is working out something in their life and God is trying to teach you patience at the same time or teach you to grow up a little bit and he asks you to tackle somebody or you have to get tackled because you pass the ball off to somebody else and then you got flattened because one day they're going to be blocking and tackling for you or if you've got kids for your kids or the next generation that you care about. And that's how this, this is not just like a one-off, like one play thing. This is a like multi-generational time after time. We want God to pour a spirit, his spirit out on us. Well, somebody got to pick up the tab for that right now. And that's us. And I want to block for this generation so that the next generation can go much further than we ever went. And they get to start where we ended and not start all over again. That doesn't work if I hold my cards really close to my chest because I'm insecure or I'm afraid or I'm, I mean, this is house of God. You just got to let it go and let God to be like, I'm in. Did you know this? Did you know this? You can't wait till you feel safe to let it go. Because what makes you feel safe isn't safe. What makes you feel safe right now isn't safe. This is war. What makes you feel safe is following orders so that somebody doesn't get shot in the face. And that somebody always ends up to be you. The war is out there. But if we're like tentative and we're like waiting to feel safe so we're not feeling threatened. This is war. You're going to feel threatened. The safest place to be is right in the will of God, right where he wants you to be, obeying, where you're not thinking all the time, you're just not judging everything all the time, you're just like, you're okay to execute the play. Now, people who get wrapped up in politics, maybe that's you, or personal agendas, need to pray that God puts the mission front and center. I'm going to show you something here in Matthew 10. Uh, Jesus calls his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. Basically, he gave them a authority to do a few things, okay? Not everything. And then it says he sent out them out uh, with these instructions. Hey guys, like you're called and you're gifted. You can make decisions. Just go and do whatever you feel like. Don't go to the Gentiles or Samaritans. Well, doesn't God love them? I'm going to go there anyways. Jesus is like, not now. Not now. I had somebody lecture me about like, doesn't Jesus love the little children? Why can't they be in the auditorium? Try that out. Pastor, you don't love children. I don't love children. They have their own worship experience there that's tailored for them. And if you come in here and you got five kids hanging off of you, you can't worship either. You're just thinking about murder. You're just trying not to murder your kids in the worship service. <laughs> but somebody sitting beside you might give their life to Christ and they, we got a 10 minute window in their life. And then your kid, your Christian kid starts kicking up a fuss. Well, Jesus loves children. He just doesn't love children interrupting his salvation sermon. <laughs> Right? And there's this like block and play. No, there's this thing where 
You just got to relax about it and run the plays that God wants you to run. I don't know how I got off into kids. He says, don't go to the Gentiles, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. It's time to do this. It's not time to do that. Well, what do you mean? I get to choose. No, you're supposed to execute what you're anointed to do. He's not, you're not, if you're not anointed to do it, all you can get is a natural result. And that always backfires because there's always landmines in there. Oh, you can get a natural result with something. I can feel it now in my life when I'm getting a natural result. I can work something out. I got lots of energy. But there's always traps in there that the enemy sees. When it's supernatural, Jesus deals with the traps. You don't get trapped later on in that natural victory that you think you got. He says, go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. You're like, well, I want to say something else. I'm all about the love. He's like, no, go tell them the kingdom of heaven is near. Like, come on, guys, there's a train. Like, get on it. Like, it's here, you know. Then he says this, here's the playbook. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy. I need to say this, leprosy was like the sickness of the day in Israel. He's like, go and cure people with that. You know, instead of like, why don't you pray for somebody with COVID? Here's something as a church that we need to do right now. There's two spirits, remember the spiritual roots at play right now. Spirit of fear and a spirit of infirmity. You can rebuke those over your leaders. You can rebuke those over your neighbors. I mean, like, if they want to hang on to them, like, God will let them. But you can, like, Lord, rebuke a spirit of fear and Lord, rebuke a spirit of infirmity. Jesus said, go heal those with leprosy. There was no cure for leprosy. There was no government help. There was no, if you had leprosy, that was it. Your life was over. Come on, church. This is not the first pandemic that the world has faced. Then he says, cast out demons. He's like, run these four plays. And then he says, give as freely as you've received. And you're like, well, I want to help people with their taxes. He's like, not now. Like, great. You know, I want to. I want to marriage counsel people. He's like, great, not now. Let's get them saved first. Let's get the devil out first. A lot of your marriage counseling would probably end right there if you get the devil out of there. You're like, yeah, my husband's got the devil. No, that's not what I mean. We wrestle not against our husbands. Say amen, venue ladies. I want to write worship music in my room. He's like, why don't you go and get somebody saved so they can sing songs and worship me, and then you can write worship music in heaven. Or unless he tells you to write worship music and that's your playbook. But right here, he's like, no. Run these four plays. This is what you're anointed to do. This is what I'm going to empower you to do. This is what's going to work right now. This is what the nation needs. He didn't say do everything. He said do these things. Now, this isn't really a game though, is it? It's a spiritual war. And sometimes, see what the enemy, he wants to get the people who can't see very well with like the thick Coke bottle glasses on the sniper rifle. Sometimes as a pastor, I see the Coke bottle glasses come fumbling their way towards me and they're like, pastor, I need a sniper rifle. And I'm like, you're going to shoot somebody. And it might be me if I give you that. Maybe if you're a little bit uh, blind, maybe blocking and tackling is where you need to be right now. Maybe if your ears are plugged and you don't listen very well to correction, maybe you calling in the airstrikes is not going to work because we're going to drop bombs all right, but it might be on you. 
And maybe you need to get a little intel in your ear and start praying before you start asking everybody else to do what your little pet project is or your good idea. Listen, a good idea is not a God idea. There's a difference. There's a difference. Well, we should do this, Pastor. Well, small group leader, we should do this. And we should talk about... That's not the same thing as God saying, it's time to do this thing. Let's do this thing. This is what people really need. Like, I want ice cream. They're like, that's great. We need to eat a little vegetables. Why would I set myself up there? I'll fast vegetables, Lord, anytime you want me to. Say amen. The enemy, you ready? Here's the kicker. The enemy will give you glasses that make your teammates look like him. Then he won't have to fight you. If he can put those glasses on you where your teammates start looking like him, he won't even have to show up to the battle. He's already won it because you won't be fighting on the right field. You'll be fighting over here. And God is like, that's not your fight. It's over here. And you're contending against your own teammates for power and personal. And God's like, what are you doing over here? You're not supposed to be fighting over here. You're supposed to be fighting over here. Rather than be frustrated and talking trash about the people who are leading us right now, why don't we pray? If they're making bad decisions, it's because the enemy is in their ear. Why don't we go in in the spirit and cut that off and speak good things? Like I, I speak wisdom to our prime minister right now. I speak wise counsel. I speak godly counsel. I speak morality. I speak prophecy. You should start praying into the situation. Um, this is what happened. This is what happened. The enemy said, I will ascend, right? Lucifer, the worship leader of heaven. That's kind of what we think, you know, he was in charge of, of all this worship. And then he turns, what is it with worship people, by the way? Man, if, it, if we didn't have in our iPods that they had to wear shoes on stage, none of them would wear shoes on stage because that's how they connect with Jesus. I'm just making this up. I don't know if anybody would wear it. We have playbooks called iPods, like imperatives, preferences, options, and do nots. Like, oh my goodness, do not come to church without shoes on. Nobody wants to connect with Jesus through your feet. That is not the vessel. That is not part of the Trinity. That is not what we need. The enemy says, I will ascend Lucifer. I will ascend. And he's like, I'll be like the most high. Well, that's what in-house competition, it makes it really stupid. So the most high, like the guy, the God who is above all the things, above everything, above, there's not a ladder high enough. I'm going to go up there. Is that making sense to you? It's not making sense to me. I think it's real dumb. I think that's what competition does to us. Then what he does, he seeds in Adam and Eve's mind and he seeds in your mind suspicion about God. Well, did God really say this? And well, maybe he's trying to keep you from that. And maybe he's trying to keep you from experiencing so that you will, he knows that you could be like him, but if you can't be like him until you get in bed with evil, that's what he said. Until you know evil, like intimately, you're like, I do because I'm super like God right now. It's the same thing. It's a climbing mentality. You got to get out of your mind, the climbing mentality. You've got to start pushing people forward. You got to get behind and push. You're not just like push them down. You got to push them up. And we start pushing people up and you start serving. Now, I'm going to go to kind of my main text today, Matthew chapter 20. It starts with a parable and there's three stories, just boom, boom, boom. And you're going to watch at the end how the disciples bring their mom to the party and blow up the whole thing here. And Matthew shows it to us in order because he's showing us the sickness of his nation. It was, Matthew was written to the, to the Jews. He's showing us the sickness of the competitiveness in his nation. And he, you're going to watch how dumb it makes us at the end. And you're going to feel better about your life. You ready? 
Um, so there's this parable that he says that a landowner hires a bunch of people. Um, first thing in the morning, a bunch of unemployed people. They're super grateful. They agree on the wage, which is a normal day's wage. And they're like, thank you for giving us a job. They work. The landowner goes out during the day and he's like, Hey, you guys aren't working out here. Well, why don't you come and work? And they're like, thank you very much. We'd love to. He goes, I'll pay you what's right. He goes out at the last hour of the day and hires people. And he's like, I'll pay you what's right. And they're like, we're just glad to work. And then the last people get paid first and they get paid a full day's wage for one hour. And then the people who come later who worked there from the morning and got the heat of the day, they came and they're like, they're expecting more. And they got mad when they got the same. Watch, watch. He answered one of them. This is Jesus telling a story. Friend, I haven't been unfair. He said, take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Oh, you think it's yours. You think that house is yours. You think your kid is yours. You think that my money, he said, should you be jealous because I'm kind to others? Then he says, here's the punchline. So now, so those who are last now will be first then and those who are first will be last. Translation, this climbing mentality has got to go. Why aren't you happy? We have somebody who lost their mom this week at venue and they had a really fractured relationship with her. So, so she wasn't a good mom. She led her to Christ right before she died because she forgave her and she was there for that moment of salvation. Now you can look at that and be like, I've been going to church and giving to the church. I've been serving hard for 30 years and she gets to slide in like that. Man, when you meet her in heaven, you're just going to be like, oh God of grace and mercy and forgiveness. You got her here, the criminal on the cross. How, why are you so kind to sinners? Watch this next verse. As Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took 12 disciples aside privately and told them what was going to happen. He said, I'm going to go up. I'm going to get betrayed. They're going to sentence me to die. Then they're going to hand me over to the Romans to be mocked, flogged with a whip and crucified. This all sounds great. But on the third day, I'll be raised from the dead. Then the next verse. So he just went from this like, hey, the last will be first and the first shall be last. And why are you jealous? Be I shouldn't say, why are you jealous? Because I'm kind. And then he's like, I'm going to a cross. And then the next verse, watch. The mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons. She knelt respectfully to ask a favor. What's your request, he asked. She replied, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you. One on your right and the other on your left. And Jesus answered by saying to them, were you not just here for the other things? Like, I'm going to go and get crucified and tortured and die. And this is what you want to talk about. Why can't I be on the stage? Why can't I be the small group leader? Why can't I? If God wanted you there, you'd be there. Well, why can't I do that thing? Why can't? We got to talk about this now. Jesus has kind of got a little something else on his mind and something else he's trying to teach you. That's how dumb it makes us. Watch. Jesus answered, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? He just told them like what was going to happen. Oh, yes, they replied. We are able. Like crucify us. There can be a great desire in you, an ego in you, that you want to rise and you'll pay a huge price to climb that ladder. Watch though. Watch how Jesus thinks about it. <laughs> Jesus told them, well, I guess you will indeed drink my bitter cup. You idiots. Like, that's not what Jesus said, but it, he was thinking it. <laughs> like, really? You really want this to happen to you? Well, James, the brother of, of John, was killed with a sword by Herod. Uh, I think with a sword by Herod. But he was killed within a short period of time here. Yeah, no, there was a price that they did have to pay, but watch what he says here. You ready? 
Here's the whole point of the sermon right here. But I have no right to say. But you think that you have a right to say. Jesus, the son of the morning. The one who was in the beginning and the word was with God and the word was God and the word was made flesh and, made, and he made you and he created that. And he created. I have no right to say. Not my call. Who will sit on my right or my left. I don't get a arrange the seating arrangement. But my father has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. And when he lets me know, then I'll know. And you're like, but I feel so undervalued. And Jesus is like, I don't. He's not insecure. He's like, I don't know. The Christians who always predict the rapture when Jesus comes back. I always get a kick out of this. Jesus himself said, like, I don't know. When Gabriel ascends with the trumpet, then I'll, I'll come back. I don't know. Christians are like, God gave me a special revelation. Jesus is like, pretty special. I didn't get that one. <laughs> You're special, all right. You know. He goes, I don't know. I'm not guessing. I don't care if it's John. I don't care if it's Peter. If he says, put Judas there, then I don't care. Make Judas one of your disciples. You know he's going to betray me. Uh-huh. Okay. Jesus never said anything but what the Father told him to. When the ten other disciples heard what John, uh, James and John asked, they were indignant. At whom? At themselves for thinking the same way? At themselves for like, why didn't I bring my mom? <laughs> Should have brought my mom. <laughs> Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Say different. It must be different. We don't play that game out there in here. Ever. We don't play it in our family. We don't play it in our friends. We don't play it in our tribe. Ever. Among you, it must be different. Whoever wants to be the leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must become your slave. I know you want a position. And sometimes I know if you want it too much, you don't understand it yet. You think that we wanted to come and plant a church here? Man, it's put our family in a death spiral into hell. You think we wanted to? No, we came because we were told to. And our launch team came and it was the most difficult thing that we've done. And we came because people were dying here and God told us to come. We didn't come because, man, we painted a target on ourselves and the enemy's like, oh good, there they are. And we came because God told us to and that, that's what gave us the grace to do it. We didn't come because we wanted a platform and a stage and a church. And we're like, we don't know. All we know is that their people are hurting and Jesus told us to go. Get prayer if you're too competitive today. Let's go get prayed for. Get somebody to break that thing off of you, that competitive spirit. You got to love people going forward and going further than you. Last thought. If Jesus in his own kingdom, where every knee will bow and every tongue confess Jesus Christ as Lord, if he in his own kingdom doesn't get to pick the seating arrangement, why do you care in the church who's sitting beside you? Why do you care who's sitting above you in something? Why do you care who's sitting below you? You want to pick that or you just want to leave it up to God? Why do you care if somebody comes and takes your seat at church? Why do you care? Why do we care? Do you want the team to win? Do you want salvation to come to the city or not? Then quit caring, quit picking, and quit saving spots, and quit. Let God do it and just run the play that he called us to run.